0: We're continuing our Ecclesiastes series this week. I'm calling this series Enjoying the End of Everything, and it does feel sometimes like we're at the end of everything, like we're in the end times when everything is just going crazy around us. But the world has often felt that way, and, and the Bible and the book of Ecclesiastes that we're working through in particular speaks to us and gives us wisdom for, for weird times like the time that we're in. And today we're going to read from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and this text is going to show us some of the the real grittiness of life, but also how we as believers can can live, can move forward, can thrive even in the midst of some of life's challenges. So let's read God's word. We'll read Ecclesiastes chapter 4 from verse 1 to verse 12. Again I looked and saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed, and they have no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressors, and they have no comforter. And I declared that the dead who had already died are happier than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been, who has not seen the evil that is done under the sun. And I saw that all labor and all achievement spring from man's envy of his neighbor. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind, The fool folds his hands and ruins himself. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable Business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. This is the word of the Lord for us today. As we begin to walk through this text, we're going to talk first about isolation. Social researchers, they gathered a group of people once and and they just sent them out into a grassy area to play a game of catch. They gave them a ball and said, just get in a circle and just throw it around. Catch it, throw it around, catch it, throw it around, have a good time. And so these people, they all went out into this kind of grassy area, this field, and they were laughing and talking and just having fun playing catch. But, but the strangeness, the, the twist in this, the reason that it was a research project is that one of the people, and we'll call him Adam for the purposes of this conversation, well one of the people had, hadn't been in on the secret, and the secret was this, the researchers had gone to everybody else and said, don't throw Adam the ball, don't throw it to him. Have fun, pretend he's part of the group, throw it around, but never, ever let him touch the ball. And they did this with several different groups of people. And and so there'd be this one person who'd be having fun and thinking, yeah, it's going to be my turn and laughing and smiling. And and then as the game went on and on, they realized, I'm never getting the ball. So they'd kind of inch forward, they'd smile, they'd try to make eye contact with whoever had the ball, but it kept getting thrown around the circle and never coming to them. Then after a while people kind of started stepping back. They they tuned out of the game. They stopped smiling, they stopped laughing and and they realized that that they were going to be excluded no matter what they did. And when the researchers interviewed everybody afterwards, they found that the people who had been excluded from just that simple game of catch that they had a they had a lowered sense of the meaning of their life and their connection to other people just because of that brief game that they'd played With strangers. In the first, in the first several verses of our text for today, Ecclesiastes gives us a window into what it means to be isolated. In the first eight verses, Ecclesiastes gives us a number of ways that that life unravels, but they all have at their center this theme of isolation. These verses show us different ways that human community breaks down and first Ecclesiastes talks about oppression and it gives us this image of people who are being oppressed who are being ground down who have been stepped on as others make their way up to the top of the ladder and and Ecclesiastes tells us that the oppressed have no comforter and no power and then Ecclesiastes talks about envy and it talks about how, how some of us are, are envious of our neighbors and we, we always want more and so we're always working and striving and toiling and we're going after more and more and more but, but we can't get there. And then it gives us another symptom of envy and it goes the opposite direction and, and talks about people who, who know what they want but they know they can't get it and so, so they just sit back and they let their envy consume them as they, as they sit back and watch life go by. And then Ecclesiastes talks to us about selfishness. And it tells us the story of a rich man who accumulated more and more wealth and got more and more possessions and worked and worked and worked and got to the top of the corporate ladder and achieved all his dreams and and then he looks around one day and he realizes he has no family, he has no friends, he has no connection. For all that he's acquired, his life is still empty. And verse 8 tells us that that rich man concludes this too is meaningless, a miserable business. Whether you're poor and oppressed, or you're somewhere in the middle and you're envious, or you're at the top and you're, and you're self centered and lonely, isolation is a significant feature of human existence. Think of life as a game, and, and all of us can think of times that we thought we were part of the game, but then we realize that, that we've been excluded. But no matter what, we, we aren't going to be able to participate like the people around us. And, and so we walk away isolated and lonely. Our country has experienced a, a wave, a, a boiling over of cultural and social frustration. George Floyd's death a few weeks ago and, and all the aftermath of that that is too much to get into for right now. But, but all the aftermath of that has highlighted how much... How much in our own nation, our own culture, how much we 're isolated, and we have hard questions that are getting asked who 's the oppressor, what is the history of our nation who who 's to blame who 's in the wrong, and who 's in the right and I know that all of us have opinions, and even in our church, we have a wide range of opinions on those questions, but I think we can all agree that that oppression is wrong, and we can all agree that this is a difficult season in our nation and And we can agree that people continue to wrong each other in awful, terrible ways, and and that it should not be there. And yet, and yet, oppression continues to run wild in our world. And in the last few months, too, this this pandemic has brought us to, to ways of being isolated that we never anticipated. It's been hard. It is hard. It will continue to be hard. It's been hard not to gather for birthdays and graduations and weddings. It's been awful not to be able to gather as we normally would for funerals, to to say goodbye to our loved ones with our family and friends. We miss gathering in worship. There are so many ways that our human communities are are unraveling these days, and it is hard, and it hurts. Isolation. Isolation hurts. It it un Ravels us. And as Ecclesiastes goes on, it it gives us the antidote to isolation. And the antidote that it gives us is community. Oppression, envy, selfishness, all of these break down community and lead to isolation. But they find their cure in human connection. The first eight verses of Ecclesiastes 4 are really negative, but then the text makes a turn in verse 9, and and the tone changes. After listing all these ways that human community goes wrong, it begins to speak of all the benefits that human community brings. I'm going to read verses 9 to 12 again so that those words are fresh in our minds. So here again, God's Word. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. If we can move past our selfishness and our envy... We can help each other. We get a better return for our labor. We can sleep better at night. We can defend each other. We humans desperately need community. A few years ago, I was at a, at a hospital visit and there was some particular thing the nurse had to do with the patient that, that the rest of us who were there, some of the extended family, and I knew we should just step out. So, so we all stepped out. And we were standing in the hallway and I was talking to someone who was quite a few decades older than me, part of the extended family, and, and we got to talking about his life story, and, and he just shared his whole life story there as we were in the hallway, in brief, but he talked about how he'd been married, though, 50-some years, and, and he and his wife had gotten married pretty young, and they had some things to work through, but it really had been a wonderful journey together, and, and as they grew together, all the different strands of their lives, the emotional, the mental, the physical, the spiritual, the social, all of that just got woven together more and more. And then the kids came along and and they added their strands to that mix. And and over the years, some health struggles, some good times, some bad times, moving to some different homes, getting some different jobs, all of those different pieces, all of those different strands had come together and woven into this wonderful tapestry. And and this man shared with me as we were standing in that hospital hallway that, that what a gift that was. What a gift to be able to look around and look back and see all the ways that his life had been woven together with family and friends. And and what a beautiful picture all of that had made. What a a wonderful tapestry that would be if he could hang it on his living room wall. It It was amazing. It's been a wonderful ride, and it's a wonderful picture, he told me. And when human community works right, when things work right, that's what it's like. When human community works well, we're all, we're all woven together. And this tapestry emerges where we take care of each other, where the poor and the needy are not neglected, where the weak are not taken advantage or looked down upon, where, where everyone has enough, where, where even those who are wealthy share with others and where no one is alone. And we... We all know that that's what we need to be as human beings, that we need to be in community. We need to help up those who have fallen. We need to to care for each other. We we need to watch out for each other. Now, so far, everything that I've said, I I think, I hope, is true. I think I've gotten the text right. I, I think I've reflected our world accurately. But a challenge with this being a Christian sermon is that so far, what I've said, we can all agree with. Everybody around the world, atheist, agnostic, Christian, Hindu, Jew, Muslim, everybody would agree that we need to get along and we need to have good community. But the harsh reality of this world is that that does not work. It just doesn't work. And so what we need when we look at the isolation that we experience is not just human community, but in fact, more than that, we need We need divine intervention. Human communities inevitably fracture and fight. And it's great to say that deeper community would cure all our problems, but we can't get there. We keep getting in our own way and we keep getting in each other's way. One of the first cars I had, not quite the first, but one of the first cars I had was one of those massive old wood-paneled station wagons. It was a 1982 Oldsmobile 88 Custom Cruiser, for those of you who are, who are car people. Wonderful car, I loved it. Big engine, air suspension, rode like a dream, drove like a boat. I loved that car. But one day, this was before kids, one day Laura and I were, were out for a late night drive and we were going down the highway just cruising along and all of a sudden we heard this bang from the back and then thunk, 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 thunk. And I realized that one of the back tires had blown out and thankfully it was the back instead of the front so I could still steer. steer. And I pulled over, got nicely off the side of the highway, got onto the shoulder, got out and looked and, and the whole tire had come apart. It had blown a hole and then it just unraveled all over the rim and all over the wheel well and it was just a huge mess. So I got out the jack, I got out all the tools, got out the tire iron and I started cranking the lug nuts off so I could put the the spare tire on and I got most of them off but there were a couple that no matter how hard I yanked, no matter how hard I pushed, no matter what I did, those lug nuts were stuck. That rim was not coming off the car so... So I pulled, and I pushed, and I kicked, and I I did a little bit of yelling, and nothing worked. I was stuck. And in our human efforts, that's where community inevitably ends up. We end up stuck. We can't get things to move forward. So as I was standing there, considering my next move, this, this faded paint, rusty old Ford Bronco SUV pulled up in front of us, and... And this big guy got out and walked back to me and said, hey, you having some trouble? And I looked at the tire and looked at him and said, yes, I'm having some trouble. My tire blew out. I I can't get these lug nuts off. I've tried and tried. I just can't get it to work. And the guy took a look at it and he said, well, you want some help? And I swallowed my masculine pride and said, yes, I would love some help. Please help. So he started kicking it and pulling and yanking and it didn't go and didn't go. So finally he pulled my tire iron, off and dis- tire iron off in disgust and threw it to the side and he went to his truck and he came back with a bigger tire iron and he got that on there and he pushed and he pushed and he pushed and all of a sudden the first lug nut popped loose and then he moved on to the next one and he pushed and he pulled and he yanked and finally he popped the next one off. And then he finished up changing the tire, because apparently that was his good deed for the day, and we put all the tools back in the car, and, and then I was going to give him a few dollars just as kind of a thank you for stopping and helping out, and then he stopped me and said, no, 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 no. You know, I was driving along, and I usually don't stop and help people, because you never know what you're going to get into, especially at night, but I felt like the Lord just told me, stop, stop and help, just this time stop and help. So I listened to the Lord, I pulled over, I stopped, I'm just really glad I could help you out. And I said, well, thank you. If you won't take money, can I at least pray for you? Could we pray together? If, if we're brothers in Christ and you've just helped me out, I'd love a chance to, to just pray. So we, we stood there by the side of the road with traffic still whizzing by, and, and we prayed. And we just thanked God for the ways that he provided for us, for the ways that he speaks to us, to the way that, that when you're stuck by the side of the highway at night and a stranger shows up, it's, it's a brother in Christ who can who can get those stupid lug nuts off, get your car going, and help you to get moving forward. And that's what we need. And that's where we find true community, not, not in our own efforts, not in us working hard enough and making it work, but, but in the Lord. And in seeing how He provides, even in difficult seasons. Ecclesiastes is one of those difficult Old Testament books that that doesn't always point us directly to the Lord. This book is actually all about the Lord's work and all about how we live for Him, but it doesn't always give us that as clearly as some other parts of the Bible do. But but Ecclesiastes 4, well, it does work us through some hard things, but then then it gives us a hint. It gives gives us an arrow pointing up to say, but really look to the Lord to make all this work. And that's what Ecclesiastes 4 does in the last phrase that we read for today. Let me read that again. What, what our text closed with in verse 12. And the last phrase there is a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And what that What that text is, is an arrow pointing us to look up to the Lord. When we by ourselves on our own strength try to weave our lives together, it never works. We always miss, there's always loose strands, there's always things that fall apart, it's always unraveling. But it's when we bring the Lord into the mix, it's when we bring the Lord into the mix that we begin to have hope of things being right. The real answer to oppression and envy and selfishness in our world and in our lives is not just that we all get along. That's not going to work. The real answer is that we bring, that each of us by ourselves and that all of us together as a church community, that we bring the hard things to the Lord. That we bring the ways that we've experienced oppression or been oppressors to the Lord that we bring our envy to the Lord, that we, bring, that we bring our selfishness. And if we're not selfish, but other people are, then we need to bring our envy about them. We bring all that to the Lord. And we go to Him, and as much as possible, we go to Him together and we ask the Lord to get us unstuck, to help us get moving again. As long as we're functioning just on the, on the human plane, as long as we're working in our own strength, we can't ever make progress. But when we follow Ecclesiastes' lead and we look for that third strand, when we look up to heaven, when we look up to the Lord and we let Him work, that's when the beautiful tapestry of our lives and of God's work in the world finally comes into place. Let's think of those last few verses again in in light of this angle, this arrow toward heaven. Those verses talk about how when someone falls down, if there's two of them, they can help the other up. And if we think of Jesus' life, Jesus, well, in some sense, he descended from heaven to become one of us, and and even more than that, he, he let himself go down all the way into the grave. He went lower and deeper and darker than any of us ever will. And so no matter how hard our falls are, no matter how dark it gets, he is the one who can come and lift us up. And if we think of how difficult our lives are, how many, how many questions and how many problems we face day to day and week to week, we could, we could quickly be overpowered by our enemies. But the Lord Jesus Christ reigns over heaven and earth. He is all-powerful. He is almighty. And so when we feel like we might be overpowered, we, we can trust that Jesus will keep us safe doesn't mean we won't have hard times, but it does mean that Jesus will walk through everything with us and that evil will not be able to finally overpower us. The Lord, through His work, through His Word, He assures us that He is with us forever. And it is through His divine intervention, through His working, through His weaving us together that we can experience true human community. We humans are are good at falling apart. We can think of that with our nation. We we can think of that even with our own families. On this Father's Day, we have much to celebrate, but, but all of us have broken human fathers, and some of us have really, really broken human fathers. All of us who are fathers are broken, very broken. But on this Father's Day, we can celebrate that our Heavenly Father that our Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ allowed Himself to be broken for us. And that in Him, in Him we can find healing and hope and wholeness. Honestly, we're all in a strange ball game in all kinds of ways these days. And, and I could spend a lot more time than I spent tonight talking about all the ways that life is confusing and disorienting and hard these days. We might feel like we're in this game and we're just left out and we're not quite sure how to respond we might feel like we don't even know what the game is anymore but it sure seems weird but as believers we have a certain hope that the game that we see is not the end of the story we know we trust we believe that the lord is playing a deeper and longer game and he's invited us into it and he is through his work weaving all of us weaving all of our lives into a beautiful tapestry. When we are stuck, when we don't know what's next, well, sometimes when we don't know what's next, the Lord is just getting started. When we're looking at a mess in front of us and thinking, what are we going to do next? Well, well, maybe the Lord's about to show up or about to send someone to make sense of the whole thing for us. Wherever you are feeling isolated these days, bring those places to the Lord. If you are groaning because of oppression or or envy or loneliness or whatever trouble in your life, bring those groans to the Lord. And you know, we don't get to see the whole picture all the time. Often in our lives, along the way, we don't see how God can possibly weave these things into a beautiful tapestry. But looking back, Looking back, we can often see the Lord's hand at work. And looking forward, we know because we have God's promise that He is at work in all things for His glory and for our good. And above all else, we have the promise that the Lord is with us and that when we walk with Him together, when He is that third strand binding our human community together, then we have God's sure and certain promise that nothing nothing in this life or the next, nothing at all will ever be able to separate us from the love of God for us in Jesus Christ. So for all of us as individuals, for us as a church community, let's, let's come together in that. Let's see how the Lord is weaving things together. Let's see how the Lord is getting us unstuck. Let us look to His grace and let us praise Him for His love that will never let us go. Let's pray. Father, it seems like like life just keeps getting harder and harder. We have more and more questions and fewer and fewer answers. And Lord, when we read texts like this in Ecclesiastes, at different times, different, different parts of it might jump out and grab us. We might say, yes, I have... I have experienced that or I am seeing that isolation around me. And and we all deeply yearn for authentic, genuine community, but it's so hard to find in this life. But Father, we give you thanks for your intervention. We thank you that in Jesus Christ, you came down to us. And in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our wandering away from you, in the midst of our mistreating and alienating each other, we thank you that you came. And we thank you that through the work of Christ and through the work of the Holy Spirit that you are weaving us together, that you are working in and through us to your glory and even to our good. Father, we pray that you help us up when we fall down. We pray that when we walk through cold and lonely times that you give us your comfort. Father, we pray that when we feel overpowered that you would defend us and keep us safe.